This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Italian fashion house Gucci dealing with a public relations disaster and calls for boycotts. The criticism stems from a sweater that resembled blackface. The turtleneck covered the lower half of the face and to the top of the nose with a cutout for the mouth and red around the lips. The luxury brand issued an apology and pulled the sweater off the market last week. The controversy coincides with the scandal going on in Virginia in which old photos of uh, Governor Northam in that state and other lawmakers in blackface. Gucci is not the only luxury designer accused of being racially insensitive. In December, Prada had to make similar apologies over keychain dolls and a window display that showed a monkey with big red lips. These incidents, as well as others, have many people wondering how these fashion houses that are trying to be edgy are instead so clueless. For now, Academy Award-nominated director Spike Lee is among those saying he won't wear either brand until they employ some black people so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Joining us to take a look at all of this, we are joined on the phone by Tomei Sedari, who is an adjunct professor of marketing at the Stern School of Business at NYU, and also by Ludovica Cesario, who is an assistant professor of marketing at Lehigh University. Tomei, Ludovica, great to have you both back on the show. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I saw this last week, Tommy, and I was I was really taken aback. And I, I can see how so many people are really offended by this. And I guess the question that is on many people's minds is why this sweater was able to, to come forward and, and be on sale. Yeah, there are two factors, I think. One is that lately there has been um, much more emphasis placed on the power of the creative director within each brand. Uh, which is, has a lot of advantages for other reasons, uh, but also gives a lot of power and accountability to, um, to the creative director so they can do whatever they want. And the second thing is exactly that, that there is no diversity, there is no other voice, there is no one to stand up and present to the creative director that idea that may be off um, and that needs to be reexamined and go back to the drafting board. Ludovica? Yeah, I agree. I also think that the problem with these luxury brands is that most of them are European brands, whether they're headquartered in Europe or they're actually from European countries. Most of them, uh, a lot of them, I would say, are unaware of some of these aspects of American culture and heritage, which by no means is a way of justifying them. But it's simply, uh, I'm trying to say that they just don't do their research. Uh, I think one of the basic things I teach in my principles of marketing class is when you're thinking about bringing your brand globally, cultural fit is one of the first things you need to think about. And right. so, uh, I mean, this is insensitive globally, but specifically for the uh, North American market where, like you mentioned in the beginning, this is at the front of all news, especially with what's going on in Virginia. The company should have been much more sensitive to this issue and should have done its research uh, before putting out a product like that. So the, then, uh, Ludovica, are the comments by Spike Lee on, right on point then about the hiring practices of some of, uh, of these companies and the understanding uh, uh, or a better understanding of really looking into each culture as an as its own separate entity absolutely i think it's a, a broader issue in the fashion industry uh if you think about the council of fashion designers of america which is the most prominent trade organization in the u.s 
for fashion, only 15 members out of 495 are people of color, which clearly says something about the industry itself. There is just not enough awareness. And so I definitely think that employing people with different backgrounds can help brands navigate this uh, multiracial, multireligious, multicultural world in which we now operate. I, I guess, Tommy, there's uh, there's a distinction that that needs to be made here because these are companies that are trying to appeal to the consumer in general, and they think that they are, and especially in the luxury industry, uh, they're trying to uh, to appeal to the consumer that has quite a bit of wealth. But there's a difference between having that connection with the consumer and missing out on on this cultural one as well. Yeah, and and the issue is again that we saw it not only. Um, I agree with Ludovica. It's not only the American market though. We saw Burberry and their photo shoot last week or two weeks ago in China, and and uh, companies that need to understand what it means to operate globally and to understand who that uh, upper-tier luxury consumer is. And the interesting thing is that uh, a lot of these luxury consumers are younger today. So these companies are addressing a younger generation. And even though uh, their consumers may may not be African-American, for example, they are sensitive because younger customers are a little bit more sensitive regardless of what their own cultural background is. How much impact, uh, Ludovica, do you think there is on Gucci specifically? I mean, this is obviously a PR problem, but does this hurt their sales, do you think? Well, so I think in the short term, it clearly has a very negative impact on their brand image, right? Uh, if you think back to when this happened with Dolce & Gabbana in December, when they put out these really insensitive ads in the Chinese market, yeah. uh, people were burning their products and, like, you know, recording it on Instagram. So there was a huge backlash in the immediate and the short term. I do think, though, that the customer who buys these kinds of products is a very committed customer, meaning they're they're in a relationship with the brand. And so there's a ton of research that shows that in reality, when commitment is high, you are much less likely to have this negative information affect your repurchase behavior in the long run. And so if you think about the, the market that luxury brands are addressing, I do think there's a negative backlash in the short term, but I don't think that in the long term sales will be affected, especially because both every brand that's ever been involved has been very quick to apologize and put out statements and withdraw products from the market. But th- then it's also, Tommy, it's not only just kind of recovering from the mistake that they make, it's it's what they do long term to really show that they understand this and that they don't have similar missteps down the road. Exactly. So we have two strategies, the short-term strategy, which is uh, the apology and uh, withdrawing the product, et cetera, et cetera, a long-term strategy, which I think that these incidents, as bad as they are, there are also opportunities for the brands to sit down and reconsider yeah. their hiring strategy and their diversity and mm-hmm. attention to diversity, but um, also in a very honest and authentic, um, uh, transparent way, because uh, there need to be diversity at the high up level of executives and not just uh, young designers, which I'm sure there are a few people in each one of these companies, but um, not people with voice and power.
Mm-hmm. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Now, there, there is another story that is out there, and it involves Adidas, uh, Tommy, and, and the fact that they uh, put together, uh, I guess, a promotion to uh, to remember the Harlem Re- Renaissance. And obviously, this is uh, a time where we have Black History Month as well. And these were all white, sh- all white sneakers that were put in this promotion. And these were also be- being viewed a- as racist as well. Uh, yes, um, I-, I think we we need to understand how important the presence of brands are in the market today and since there are no other institutions to allow for a interesting and diverse conversation how much more careful brands should be about what they put out there or at least how they present the advertising campaign to to make their point and not offend um, parts of, of, of our culture. Ludovica? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? Advertising especially um, speaks to the current times, uh, especially from a cultural perspective. And so through the advertisements that brands put out, but also the products that they design and decide to sell on the market, brands are taking stands on certain social issues. Now, Adidas Defense, um, if you look at the the collection they put out for Black History Month uh, and to celebrate the Harlem Renaissance, in reality, most of the designs that they released were in line with this original idea, right? They had these colorful black, orange, and purple shoes that would echo the colors, you know, of the jazz ballroom that were important to the Renaissance. And so it's towards the end of this release that they put out those all-white sneakers, which generated the backlash. So it's almost like they they missed, right, just at the end of this campaign, which would have been a very successful campaign. You know, all the sneakers were sold out. Um, They just kind of missed it at the end by releasing this all-white sneaker that was just so dissonant with what they were trying to say with the previous designs of the collection. How significant does this really become a call, Ludovica, for fashion in general, just to kind of kind of give themselves a, a reboot or a rethink on how they run their operations and, and how they how they have their hiring practices set? I think this is a really you know important learning point, not just for the brands involved, but for the industry overall, right? Because I think there are negative spillovers to perceptions of the fashion industry more generally than just the single brands that made a mistake. Um, and so going back to what we said and what Tomei said as well, hiring practices and changes in these hiring practices are so important just to get different perspectives on campaigns or products, things that people that are all very similar culturally or from a background perspective are not going to understand, but that the market will understand as soon as they're put out. And so it, it, there needs to be a change not just at the lower levels, but like Tomayi was saying, at you know the higher managerial levels to yeah. make sure that these um, instances are heard and that there is a positive change in the industry more, more generally. Tomayi? Yeah, I want to add something that I think we've discussed together earlier um, another time. The fact that a lot of these brands are very, very big corporations, and they follow a very rigid corporate structure. And perhaps this corporate structure doesn't work any longer in today's world. 
mm-hmm. uh, especially within the creative industries. So this is very important to me uh, because I'm interested in how creative businesses are organized, and I, I just want to raise the, the red flag here yeah. uh, for those who are listening. Executives need to not only uh, reconsider hiring strategies, but but the corporate structure itself and whether it actually allows for those who are hired to voice their opinion. But again, Tommy, this this is a unique time that we're in right now because of the impact that uh, that digital and social media have on a lot of these decisions and a lot of the reaction to these decisions. It's unbelievable to see in these cases and others how strong social media can play as, uh, as to a degree, a little bit of a backstop in, in really catching some of these issues. This is a wonderful thing, I think, that's happening with social media. Imagine if we didn't have social media, mm-hmm. um, and since people are not very interested in politics, not all the time, and they do not really pay the attention that they should in following what's happening on the political debate and, and our reality, it's wonderful that, that social media are amplifying these disasters um, and making us all more sensitive and alert to these cultural issues. 844 Wharton is the number if you would like to join in, 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. To the phones we go in St. Louis, Elliot is on the line. Elliot, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I was just calling good morning, y'all. Listen to the show, and I just did not find any offense to either one of these things you guys are talking about. As a black man that grew up with a lot of racism, you know, I just did not think of um, Gucci or Adidas. I mean, Air Force Ones are huge for all whites. Big in the black community, um, I looked at. I was watching Mary Poppins with my kids last week and had a they had a huge blow about a yeah. black face thing and that. So I just don't think that these brands were intentionally doing this to make a um, racist um, favor over. I just think it was more of a fashion thing, you know, being the fashion industry. They come up with all kind of different ways to make their fashion stand out. And, I mean, I just did not think it was like an intentional racist thing and deserved being pulled. But. Elliot, thank you very much for the comment. Greatly appreciate it. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y-21. I don't think, Ludovica, anybody uh, is saying that they were intentionally trying to do this. But, again, it's this understanding. It's this maybe this insensitivity of not understanding in general that, that really is, is being called out here. Absolutely, right? I think it's more about the um, not being careful about what is being put out there because it could be interpreted as offensive. And I agree with Elliot, actually. I was reading a lot of the comments on Instagram to to the sweater post, and a lot of people just said it's not offensive, right? Even people of color were saying... I don't really care. This is a fashion statement, right? It has not, they're not trying to be offensive. So there is, but then of course, negative information spreads much faster than positive. And so the, even if they might be a smaller percentage of people who are offended, and honestly, I don't think they were, but even if that was the case, that the negative publicity got picked up so much faster uh, to the point that then Gucci had to apologize. Uh, but I do yeah. understand Elliot's point actually. And um, I wanted to say something. I, this morning I was reading about 
uh, Dapper Dan, who is a very influential Harlem designer, and he actually invited the CEO of Gucci, so Marco Bizzarri, to actually go to Harlem and meet with him and other members of the community to explain what their issue with the sweater was. And the CEO is going to go. Uh, this was just released this morning. So I thought that was really interesting, right? Like going back to how do we change practices in the industry? Right. Um, the CEO willing to go to Harlem to speak to one of the you know fashion leaders in that specific area to understand better what the mistake was. I think that's a really good first step toward um, more empathy generally and just understanding cultural issues uh, better. Tommy. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is a very good place to start, and I think it, it covers a specific issue with this particular um, uh, Gucci uh, mm -hmm. turtleneck. Uh, but, of course, there are many other mishaps that have occurred in the last six months, and I think yeah. uh, they all demand um, an equal level of sensitivity to um, the designs and whether they are offensive or not. How how, how many of these incidents that we've seen, Ludovica, are, are companies that we normally associate as not being based here in the United States? Uh, I would say a lot. If you look back at just the last six months, if not a year, most of these instances came from European brands, whether it was Prada in December, Dolce & Gabbana right before that, H&M, if you remember, last year was accused because they put this T-shirt on a young yeah. black male model that said, you know, the coolest monkey, monkey in the jungle. So I do think there is a cultural disconnect between, you know, these European companies that are releasing products in the United States. Um, so I, I think a, most of them are. I mean, Adidas is not a European brand, right? So um, it's not all of them. But I, it seems like the majority are companies that don't live the everyday um, of the United States and what culture is and how culture is changing and what are the sensitive issues, right. um, especially in, in today in today's times, and I think Tomai said something super interesting in the beginning, if you think about the luxury consumer, it is changing. And younger consumer, millennial consumers, are going to be the primary luxury consumer in just a few years. And so I think luxury brands, even if they're not based in the United States, need to address the values that these consumers care about if they hope to you know, continue to be relevant in the coming years. Tommy? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, these are primarily um, European brands. And generally speaking, I think mistakes happen when a brand is entering a different market. Um, goes back to Ludovica's point about research. I think that a lot of brands are doing research, but they're doing it superficial. They only stop at a certain point, wherever it's convenient or whatever resources they have. But to have people who are um, diverse or who have a better grasp of the culture within the market that they want to enter, I think this is what's going to make them more successful in the future. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. So, so tell me, in, in the wake of what happened with, with Dolce & Gabbana, what has been the impact on that company in the time since? This is interesting because I was in Milan and out of curiosity visited the store there. And, of course, business was as usual at the store there in Europe. I think that when something like this happens, it really impacts the consumers in the market where they were more offended, yeah. but they can 
actually recover some of their losses because other markets work. So it is a global world, but at the same time, because of this loyalty that consumers have to these luxury brands, uh, regionally the brand can recover its losses. Ludovica? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In the Dolce & Gabbana example, it was uh, specific to the Chinese market, right? Yeah. So it would be interesting to see how their uh, you know, sales have shifted, have changed since the event uh, last fall uh, in the Chinese market. But I do agree with Tomei that on a global level, I'm sure they've recovered and they're, they're doing fine, right? It, even though the, the event happened in China, but then it became global via social media, um, I do think that the Chinese consumer specifically is probably the one who took the most offense to it and is going to have or to um, boycott the brand, um, if at all. And it comes also at a time where the Chinese consumer is being very uh, picky in terms of what they are buying to begin with. They're looking more at, at companies in, in China to begin with, a, a little bit of a different angle on it. But Apple is certainly dealing with some of these issues right now. So D&G probably is going to feel some some repercussions from this, but also from the general kind of mindset shift that's, that's in that uh, country to begin with, Ludovica. Absolutely. Right. So the and again, the for luxury specifically, the Chinese consumer is incredibly important. Right. We've seen a huge shift toward the um, Eastern Asian markets uh, from all brands that are really trying to penetrate this market because there is high willingness to pay. Right. The new Chinese consumer has wealth and is willing to spend the money on these European brands. Um, and so clearly trying to capture that market is super important. And so a mistake like Dolce & Gabbana's could actually be very detrimental uh, to conquering that specific market. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, I, I agree with Ludovica, uh, but I also want to say that uh, we need to stop looking at the Chinese consumer as just this flat, huge market. They're extremely sophisticated. This is something we've discussed before. Um, and let's not forget that a, that a big percentage of the Chinese youth is going abroad to study. Sure. So they're yeah. back to that whole millennial issue that they also are as sensitive as an American kid is. Yeah. Ba back to the phone. Seth is in uh, Houston, Texas. Seth, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I wanted to mention about the, the, the tennis shoes, about the colors being offensive to yes. people. Yeah. Um, where I grew up, it, historically, ever since they were leather white tennis shoes, I grew up in New Orleans, and it's the same in this region, but more profound in New Orleans. White tennis shoes are a preference there. Matter of fact, you've seen white tennis shoes and white T-shirts, even in culturally in the rap music that comes from out of there. They talk about being in white tees and in white tennis shoes, you know. So it was, a, it was, a, it was, you know, it was, I guess I could say kosher to wear those things. I, I didn't find it offensive. I didn't right. find white tennis shoes benefit. That was the preference you went to when you went in store, be it Adidas, Nikes, or anything of that nature. Um, I think we go overboard with sensitivity, too. And I'm saying this as an African-American. Some things are not that that serious. It's, right. You, it, it becomes a chip on your shoulder. That's what it comes it comes across as. Seth, thanks very much for the comments. And again, Ludovica, this is, I, I think, part of this is that and Seth reacted differently to what the, the people that uh, you know were, were offended by the sweater mm -hmm. and also by the the sneakers from Adidas. That mm -hmm. some people will react one way, and other people's uh, other people will react another way. 
Of course, right? And again, if you read the comments uh, to the, the photos of the white shoes or the, or the sweater, there are some people who say, this doesn't offend me, right? But of course, yeah. there's going to be a difference of opinion. And the beauty of social media is that every person is entitled to their opinion and is entitled to share that opinion. Now, the fact that mass media then picks up the negative uh, more likely than the comments that say, it doesn't offend me or I don't care, is because, right, as I mentioned before, negative information travels very quickly and spreads like wildfire. And then again, if some consumers did find it offensive, the brand has to be sensitive to that. Um, and so, again, I think the problem is not that they've released white shoes, like they do that all the time. I think that some consumers had an issue that those white yeah. sneakers were released to celebrate Black History Month. Uh, tell me your final thoughts. My final thoughts uh, is that we need a little bit more context, meaning the brands need to present their campaigns with a little bit more context, and perhaps that would safeguard them against this sort of negative um, uh, backlash. Uh, and that can do, again, if they are qualified in terms of researchers and in terms of designers who present different points of view. Great having you both with us. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Tommy Sidari from uh, NYU, Ludovica Cesario at Lehigh University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.